With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yes, yes. Welcome in. It's the Tim McKernan Show podcast. My name is Timothy Michael McKernan. That's Jackson Bennett Burkett. And we welcome you to participate in the program anytime you want. And you listen to it on the Tim McKernan Show podcast feed anytime you want. It's QFTA. We're doing it daily. Tim McKernan at InsideSTL.com. T-M-C-K-E-R-N-A-N at InsideSTL.com is how you can send your emails in. We're on YouTube live, usually in the 11 o'clock hour. Sometimes it changes. I'm going in there right now, Jackson, and Carl Pelker's in there. Alan Dadeville's in there. I'm kind of an Alan Dadeville lemming. I'm a big fan. Um, and we welcome uh, anybody who wants to join in the conversation to participate in the YouTube chat. We glance at it throughout the course of the podcast. We thank Longo Biggs for their studio sponsorship online at longobiggs.com, L-O-N-G-O-B-I-G-G-S.com. We thank James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency online at carltoninsurance.net for his sponsorship. Seth Goldcamp of Design Air Heating and Cooling. Online at designairservice.com for his sponsorship. Munganass, St. Louis Acura, Munganass, Burkhardt, Alton, Toyota. Online at stlouisacura.com and altontoyota.com. That's Munganass, Burkhardt, Alton, Toyota, and uh, stlouisacura.com. Jamie Burkhardt, Clayton Patterson, Peter Munganass, and the wonderful people in the service department, such as Ryan Cyberg. And uh, Jackson, we also are grateful for Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Online at Evergreen STL. Dot com. Are you feeling frisky? Yeah, always. Mm. I'm feeling frisky. You want to talk about slutting? Yeah, that's usually what we do when we sit in here. Talk about slutting. Alan Dadeville says, I'm a fan of you boys too. Daily QFTA has been a nice way to spend my paternity leave lately. Nice, nice paternity leave. Yeah, God bless. Congratulations, uh, Alan Dadeville. I got this one called up. I said to Jackson, I said, you know, I'm going to. It, it might be good when I'm, I'll save erotic stories and I'll read those first time, but I think it's better for the pod. You like that? Love. If I kind of, I'm not just sifting through and going, oh, I've already read this one. So I actually did prep today. Prep was going through my email. Gentlemen, this is a question that was asked a week ago today, as a matter of fact. How did email of the day come about? When did it start? For as long as I've listened, the order has been Doug, Iggy, Tim, Plowsy, insert producer, Jackson. I assume this is just a random order that's stuck, but it's been so consistent for so long. I have to wonder if there's a story behind that, too. Thanks. That's from Jay Randolph Jr., fan page club champion, Dogtown Tie. Well, Jackson, Dogtown Tie, congratulations on your win. You're very lucky that the Pope cheated to beat me. Uh... 
I like this because it allows me to tell a story and also give some TMA history. Yeah. And I, I think I'm going to be in and out today. Now I say that and we might be here at three o'clock. It's okay. 11.31 as I say that. I got time today. Okay. When I first started, now what it, we just got done doing balloon parties. We're fresh off of getting hated. What is the most common hate I get? What's the most common hate you get? Um, the biggest hate you get is that you're self-important. Yeah, but that's accurate. Okay. Um, well, I'd, I'd still say that it's that. Yeah. And then for me, it's lack of sports knowledge. But it's just really lack of hockey knowledge. Right, but people equate that to... I see. Because it's like, oh, hockey is like... the. 50% of the sports in this town. I'm like, yeah, but we live in the world. Um, either way. So when I started, you could never guess, even if I gave you, I think, a thousand guesses and said, I'll give you a thousand dollars. You know, there's no point to me doing it. If you guess correctly what the hate was, the hate was that I was a Jim Rome ripoff. Oh, okay. The hate just changes over the years. Yeah. And, and the reason for that was because I would read emails on the show. Right. Some Rome was very famous for it. Right. But I just thought we were in a new era where you don't just take phone calls oft times from the olds and the sames. And in order to bring more people to the table, it would be better to create multiple avenues through which the audience could feel like it was involved in the show and not just the callers. And it also predates texting. Right? That's correct. So that just became logical. And I thought that was an important thing to do, not, again, from some kind of moral or ethical standpoint, but simply because it only made sense that you want people to feel like they have a chance anyway to be involved. And a lot of people look at callers kind of like, a, eh, I wouldn't want to be that. Right, I right. don't call in. I listen to the show, but I would never call in. And so we took emails. And I believe it was a regular occurrence. And some of you who, I mean, as you're talking probably less than 2% of people who listen now, listened to me when I was on with Frank Cusimano doing what was truly his show. And I was sidekick boy um, in 2003 and part of 2004. I would read emails, I believe. And then when Martin and the cat would come in, when Frank was out and we had the press box became the sandbox because that was the way the olds insulted the show for not being Frank's show, was calling it the sandbox. But we're like, good, we don't really want you to like it. It's not for you. So we just kept calling it the sandbox. Then we would read emails. And I believe, and producer Joe would know this, that from the beginning of the morning grind, we did email of the day. Hmm. I could be off on that. But either way, it's been going on for easily the vast majority of this show's existence. It's just a matter of if it's been going on since the very beginning. You know what I'm going to do, Jackson? Text producer Joe. You're goddamn right I am. You texted me earlier today. Yeah, what did he text you about? Uh, the show Beef. And he says it's a great show. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so I've, it's already was on my list, but Prod Joe's recommendation I take very seriously. Yeah, email today. It's got to be one of like the only, like by far the longest running daily 
I guess you can call it a segment, but more of like a act, activity is the wrong word also. Like one of the longest running things on the show is the email of the day. It's like the only thing we always do every single day. That's yeah, and it's just, it's, so it, it was it, the goal of it, I guess. I mean, you never thought it would turn into what, it's, what it is now, but the goal of it was a way for people to just communicate, kind of wrap up the show or opinions. Yeah. And I think that's, that's what Frank and I did, so we had to be doing it on the morning grind from the beginning. Had to, because I remember that, and Frank would really like some, and then some would kind of venture into perversion. Obviously, that's not Frank's thing, sure. but the awkwardness made it entertaining. Yeah. Um, and so I think we were probably doing it from the beginning. I just texted producer Joe to see if he remembers. So, um, but I would get ripped on for being a Jim Rome ripoff because I was doing emails and I'm like, oh no, I'm a Howard Stern ripoff. So let's get this correct. So, um, and then the vote, I don't really recall having a specific order to it. I mean, now I just look around the dais. I go over to Doug, I go over to Iggy, and then if there is a tie after I vote, then I go to the Plowhawk. But it's not a person thing. I think today with Doug out, you voted first. I just went to that chair. Right, right. But if Doug were here and Iggy were out and you were in Iggy's chair, I would go to Doug first. But it's not not like a, here are my friends in order if you pay attention. You know, I, I know he's not saying that, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. And then you got to think of like, well, you don't have to, but I will think of the things that became like themes for the email of the day. And one of them was producer Joe being into gentlemen. Mm, yeah. 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 And then it turned into sexually harassing Doug. That's true. Right. It That's like a great observation. Made that evolution. And now it's kind of just all over the place with a little. Well, bit I would of say that. it's a lot of Iggy now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the daily recaps of what Iggy used to say back in peak uh, Carlos Spicy Wiener territory when he was really putting his Hall of Fame resume together. Yeah. His were uh, like I believe uh, Ken happened was a was That's a correct. was a theme, and those were some of the finest emails you'll ever hear. Uh, I mean, go from Plops, uh, Dotham's emails have been outstanding over the years. I mean, the greatest email from my money was Misty Plops and the Vianney father-son or stepdad calendar, whatever the hell it was. Holy crap. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. God, that was so good. And I think Buck Swope brought up yesterday, and this definitely plays on the skeleton, is Doug reading the Misty Plops email from when you guys were at spring training. (laughs) And I guess you guys were printing them out back then as opposed to you having access to the inbox. And so they just handed Doug the email. He said... Some of beachy boy pigs and lathering up sunscreen with five-inch <laughs> flip-flops. Hilarious. Hilarious. It was just so real, well-written. It was comedic genius yeah. is what it was. Um, but, yeah, it's, just become, it's, it's, a, it's an inadvertent tradition on the program. It's the best way I can describe it. And, uh, and it's something that people, you know, loyal listeners of TMA look forward to yeah, on a regular basis. Definitely. No matter what, when I was listening from like the beginning of when I started listening, even if I couldn't listen to the whole show that day, I always went to the end to listen to emails of the day because I always loved it. I always thought it was a hilarious. You always enjoyed emailing. When I got Private Citizen Pete into the show, uh, I first sh- like just started playing him email of the day, and he thought they were what hilarious. He thought they were hilarious. He could get it even without knowing the show. Right. He just thought like once I explained like the basic context around it, he totally got it. And then I think he went on one long car trip to Springfield, Missouri. And uh, listen to the show in its entirety. He listens every day ever since. Jackson, I could be incorrect on this, but I believe you have mentioned that while you and your mom 
or Jewish? That some of the other members of your family are not. Oh, maybe that was are Jewish, but then just wrote it or are Jewish. That some of the other members of your family are not. I was curious of your experience in being raised in a household that had mixed faith background. Were you raised Jewish or were you exposed to different faiths at a younger age and then made a decision to follow the Jewish faith when you were older? I totally understand that this is deemed too personal for you to discuss on the show. I've always been fascinated by people who have different backgrounds and experiences for me and how that impacted their lives. I often compare those to my own experiences to better understand why I follow the faith I do, and in no way am I judging or evangelizing to you about your faith and background. That's from Not Caller Adam. P.S. Again, I'm enjoying the show. Love that question. It goes back to my favorite tenet from Ted Lasso, be curious, not judgmental, and Not Caller Adam is a prime example there of being curious. And I love that. And it's not too personal. I'll get into it a little bit. Uh, so... My family situation is my mom and dad were both divorced before they got together. My father uh, had two children with his ex-wife, who are my brother and sister. Mm -hmm. Now, they're technically, of course, my half-brother and sister because we don't have the same mother. We always just call it brother and sister. Okay. When my dad describes it as you don't love them half as much, so why would you call them your half-brother, half-sister? Mm -hmm. And I always love that because I do. I love my brother and sister like crazy. They're just my brother and sister. But we have different moms. My mother is Jewish. Her whole family is Jewish, and she wanted to raise me Jewish. My dad was very cool with that. My dad comes from a Christian background. He's not, I would not describe him as very religious nowadays, nor my brother and sister, but I don't want to speak for them. But I know my mom is proud of her Jewish heritage and wanted to raise me Jewish. My dad was totally cool with that. So from a young age, I was raised Jewish, went to Hebrew school uh, after public school when I was a kid, bar mitzvah, and still this day, am. So, yeah, that's... Uh, so it was ne never odd in that sense. Yeah. My family, my brother and sister and father very much embraced my mother's Jewish roots and my Jewish roots. Uh, my brother was actually married with a chuppah, which is the kind of tent thing sure. over uh, the bride and groom uh, as, a, as a nod to uh, my lovely mother. You know who uh, uh, officiated that wedding was the great Vahe Gregorian. Oh, is that right? A, a, a close, a very close family friend of ours because my mom and him at the Post-Dispatch, and a wonderful human being, and uh, someone my brother holds very dearly. And, uh, yeah, so my brother shouted out, my, my sister, we always celebrate Hanukkah all together, so it's a very loving uh, acceptance of different backgrounds. Huh. So it's, it's very. I was. So I was it's been. Really, a, it was a non-issue. It sounds like not, a, not like a hundred percent non-issue. Total non-issue. Total non-issue. Uh, total like my. Uh, that's. I'm very lucky in that sense to come from a family where like you know obviously like my father gets divorced, and but my brother and sister love my mom. I love my brother and sister's mom. It's very, very, very. We're very lucky. In that oh yeah, sense. what's yeah, what's that interaction? Very, it's it's totally everything is good there. Yeah, all she's one so sweet and lovely to me, and I love her, and then my brother and sister love my mom like another mother. It's really, really awesome. Oh, God bless America. Really, really, really great. That's really probably great. not the majority of situations in a spot like that. Yeah, not to say it's like one in a hundred, but I would imagine more often than not, there's just some you don't have what you're talking about. You're talking about like a perfect set of circumstances it totally, seems totally totally and I, I i'm not speaking for my brother and sister because but I, like we it's really really great that we have such a like a cool dy dynamic my uh brother and sister love my mom's side of the family who obviously you know they have no blood relation to but still treat like family 
it's uh, I'm very, very lucky in that sense. I, I, if, if anyone ever has praised me based on like maturity or the way I conduct myself, it is all a credit to my wonderful family, the environment I grew up in. How about that? That's yeah. great to hear. Yeah, totally. So I love that question from Not Colorado. Nicely really done, Not Colorado. He asks wonderful questions. He's a QFTA Hall of Famer as well. Uh, I didn't even think about it as I'm reading. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's got to be interesting. Now, I mean, to have two different, would it be denominations of Christianity? I ask the Jewish person. <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. But I think like, that might I know, be like Presbyterian, Lutheran, Baptist, those kind of right. things. Right. So I, by definition, am Catholic. Right. My wife is Lutheran, mm-hmm. and we weren't going to have our kids baptized. And then for family reasons, um, just to kind of like appease, I suppose, not that there was like a real, you know, big deal about it, but it's like, okay. I mean, it doesn't. Not, if it doesn't mean anything to us, then it doesn't mean anything. You know what I mean? Right. Does that totally. you follow that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, one way or another. So it's, it's like if you hold the 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 magic musical instrument, and you're like, okay, sure, I'll hold the magical music instrument. Like, like, ooh, you're holding the magic, but to me, it's not magical. So right. So it's just so like here, my son can hold the magic. Sure. I don't really care. Uh, so I'm like, okay, well, that makes them happy. And for my sound, there's no downside. I mean, it, you know, took a couple of, you know, afternoons out of my day or out of my life. But other than that, um, but they were baptized Lutheran. So I guess I'm the lone Catholic in the house. Mm. Never really thought about it. Right. I, 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 maybe perhaps until now, I guess I'm aware of it, but I don't think about it. But I guess that'd be different than, I mean, certainly I think different as far as like, I mean, it's different religions, I guess, but it's not as, I don't even say extreme, but it's not as different as right. a Christian father and Jewish mother. Right. Yes. Yes. It is different in that sense. Yeah, totally. But I also understand that there's many differences between each. Would be Is sect the right word? Probably not. Sect uh, I think denomination. I think, that's I think the, it's denomination. Yeah. So I think, I, I know that there are differences between the denominations. But it's all worshiping Jesus Christ, if I'm not mistaken, right? I don't know. Uh, yeah, there's there's that, and then there's justifying disliking people because there's differences from you, and then you pick out um, passages. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So you can do that, too. And also governing uh, using religion. Ideally. Yeah, yeah, that's what we want. Separation of church and state That's be correct, yeah. Read the founders. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I just, I don't really, um, think of it that I'm in that household, but I guess I'm in that household. I'm the head of that household and I didn't realize it until I'm like, oh, that's interesting, Jackson. I go, oh, son of a bitch. I guess I have that, but I I don't see it as, I think Lutheranism, Hmm. I had to look that up (laughs) and Catholicism are really similar. Okay. But, um, I recall sitting at uh, a wedding that was at a Catholic church, and I was near someone who was of Lutheran faith, and I guess one of the things with regard to... You said it's called Lutheranism, Jackson? Yes, yes. Thank you. I said that, and me alone. (laughs) Uh, They're not into um, the celebration of Mary. Mm -hmm. And... And this person said, that's one thing I just don't get about Catholics is how they believe this Mary stuff. And I'm going, I, and I, I mean, immediately I thought, 
well, you can buy and all the other stuff. That's kind of, that's right where my head went. But it's like once you start picking and choosing, right? Yeah. But it's like, yeah. I'm just like, nah, fine. Yeah, you know, I don't really care. Doesn't matter. It's just like I'm not gonna be like, hold on a second here. Nah. Yeah. I don't know. That's. I like the teachings of of religions, uh, oftentimes that are not hijacked by take your pick of whatever group that hijacks um, many of them. Um, because I think they're beautiful and they're wonderful things to live by. Yeah. And man, sure would be wonderful if there's truth in Christianity. My sure. God, it'd be the greatest thing ever. Um, but the teachings I can subscribe to. The thing that strikes me as odd, it, I, and I can't really speak to uh, you know other lands, but I feel like in the United States at this moment, a healthy percentage of Americans use Christianity as the blanket behind which to justify acting like complete assholes, <laughs> which is the antithesis of what I recall. Maybe I just read like the Catholic Bible. I don't know, but I thought it was universal right. um, as to what was taught in the New Testament by Jesus Christ. And I'm like, well, this, acting like this wasn't, you know, this wasn't really what he was doing, but maybe my nine years of studies, you know, didn't Maybe I didn't, you know, now now it's a new thing where you act like an asshole and then you say, but I'm Christian and then you can do it, i.e. the reference to the scripture and the dog avatars so popular, at least at one time on Twitter. I'm not, I'm not, I don't get on there as much as I'd like to. Right, to, to view them. Right. Yeah, I think um, a big reason why I have a positive relationship with religion in that sense is I grew up reformed Jew. So there's reform. Oh, what do we got going on here? Teach me something. So I don't know about this. I guess maybe these are denominations. I don't think they are. Just like different maybe classifications. I don't know. I don't want to say the wrong thing. So if I'm wrong in any of this, I apologize. Reform Judaism. There's conservative Judaism, which takes some of the teachings more seriously. And then, of course, Hasidic Orthodox. Is that which, the same, Hasidic and Orthodox? Uh, the, that's a good question that I'm not positive on, that I'm not positive on. Orthodox Judaism, if you see people walking to temple, they often wear a certain type of clothes. Uh, they take Shabbat very seriously. That's I'll see that sometimes when I go by Mark Wards on Del Mar. Correct. U City is very is a very much originally like a, a very Jewish area because mm-hmm. there was a bunch of Orthodox temples in that oh, area. Oh, is that right? So people could walk because if you're going to walk to temple every day, don't you, yeah. you want to make it a shorter walk if you can? So that's why U City has a lot of Orthodox Jewish people there. There's multiple temples you can go to in that area. Um, but I was raised reform and my interpretation, and again, I'm not speaking for all reformed Jews, but my interpretation was it was kind of a modernized form of Judaism where like you're taking much more of the values and the teachings more so than the actual scripture. And you're kind of are allowed to, you know, find some gray area there. And it's much more important, like the idea of being a good person and and committing acts of, of random acts of kindness, a mitzvah on people and just being as good a person as you can much more so than like the actual scripture of the, t- of the okay. Old Testament. And I think that's why I always enjoyed it because it was just like teaching you like about being a good person and, and the history of Judaism and stuff like that. And that's why I think I, uh, I, I, I still connect with it in mm-hmm. a way. I just find religion in general fascinating. I do as well. Yeah. Um, and I, I, so as whereas, like if I'm, if I'm with someone who is like, it's not like an argument of I'm right and you're wrong or vice versa. I just, I guess I'm curious. I'm not trying to, you know, do sure. your, be curious because I know that's some, but I mean, that's just, I'm, that, that's why I like doing sound story interviews yeah. and interviews in general and doing this and, and interacting with people. I'm like, Oh, okay. So we're coming from on that. So religion, I mean, my God, what, uh, 
what could be more fascinating right. than that. Right. Um, and, um, and also with regard to political philosophy, not necessarily like, you know, speeches and nonsense, but uh, actual political philosophy when it comes to government. But um, those two topics are certainly considered by most to be taboo, and understandably so. I totally understand it. But like how religions came to be, how they're currently practiced, why some went away, why some surged, that kind of history interests me because it also plays a role in in um, direct correlation with humanity and or nations and their founding or nations and their destructions. Mm-hmm. So that that truly intrigues me. Uh, producer Joe texted me, by the way, on the email of the day, says, I'm not at the very, very, if not at the very, very beginning. It started within weeks. I should have some show sheets at home when I, uh, when I can look at when I get back. So, yeah, looks like uh, at the very least from uh, the early dates of the morning grind to the, the morning after, which I, which I would figure because I was reading them on the press box with Frank Cusimano. So right. I, I, I don't know why we wouldn't have done it on uh, the morning grind. All right, I'm going to go with the last one. And Jackson, we're going to do a half hour. Wow. What do you think about that? Wow. Got things I got to do. I hear I, you, baby. Uh, this one was sent in today, and I feel like it's a good little kicker at the end. Tim, you may not be able to go into this much, but I've always been interested in the backstory. Listening to the 590 The Man press conference on the TMA all day, how did it come to be that Jack Clark and Frank Cusimano were both speakers about their new shows that would be on 590 The Man, but then when you started 920, both of them were there at the start? To me, Frank sounded like a hostage telling the world that everything is all good when he spoke at the press conference but Jack was gung-ho about his show. Uh, also, do you know if Twist and Smash ever got into measuring on the show, on their show? I always thought that was the weirdest part of that whole presser. Love the show. That's from Howard Thompson. I don't remember. I don't know what the measuring thing's in reference to. I have no idea. The thing about what was going on during that press conference in our studio is we were laughing so hard we certainly heard some of it, but I'm sure if I were to listen to it on TMA all day, I would hear things and not realize that they were set because yeah. we were laughing so hard. Um, you know, and that's kind of like, you know, um, you know, everybody talks about Dan Marshall, and understandably so, because he was kind of the spokesperson. But you got a peek at someone else who was just as, if not more, responsible for everything that had happened that led to that taking place, and that's the other guy talking, and that's Todd Robbins. And when I said on yesterday's QFTA, I told this, I think it was yesterday, when I told the story about being in Palm Springs and being on the phone when we were at the Madison Club before flying with Anthony Kim, um, the person I was on the phone with was Todd Robbins for at least dating back to 2011 and the man and woman press conference, I think was March of 2013. So So you're talking about 18 plus months, at least he was trying to get me to run the station, but but it was a weird... I don't even know how to describe... It was such a weird spot. He was trying to get me to run the station, but there wasn't like, like hey... Like, like if, if I were to say, hey, Jackson, I'd like to hire you to run Sound Story, I think there would be an understanding of you shall receive an offer sheet with your responsibilities and your financial terms and or health insurance, 401k and bonus structure. Yeah. It's kind of ABC in the working world. Unless you said, would you like to volunteer 
Would you right. like to be a volunteer? You know, that would be that language needs to be added if sure. you're doing it for free. So that was one of the things we could never. And, I, and, I, and they were kind of they were kind of like warring factions at that time in KFNS. Um, and I was caught in the middle because all I really wanted to do was do the show. Our situation was profitable. They hated, I think. I don't know if they hated, but it was irritating that we were profitable and they were losing all this money. And so, um, you know, he had for 18 months pursued me, pursued me, pursued me, pursued me. And then I remember the weekend of that all going down in 2013 and Todd like avoided my phone call. Uh, I doubt I still have the text. It'd be amazing if I did. Um, you know, there, there, there are people in the show's history who everybody knows. And then, yeah, those texts are still around. Um, and then like blames everything on and certain, you know, certainly some of it's accurate, but a lot of it is just not, but, but again, we haven't gone on and, you know, aired it out, but he was, you know, he was certainly, he's, he's just, he's just not as well known as some of the others. Uh, but you heard, you, if you've heard that press conference, I don't feel like I need to say anything. You heard it. You understand, you know, that, that was the great thing about that is that it was out so people could hear it. And it's like, we don't need to say anything. Um, but over that weekend, before that press conference, before the deal with Marshall, we met, um, I had a group of people who were interested in some kind of deal. We met with Rick Lehman at his office in Kirkwood. He was an owner. Um, I think there was representation or Todd was there and we put an offer on the table. And then the next day, he calls back, and, and the, the, the number had moved up for the price. And that's just not really a, right, right. something when our group was composed of, you know, some people who are used to doing transactions, that they're kind of like, well, what is, what is this? Yeah. And doing, I had a, doing things certain ways. And I had accountants and lawyers, you yeah. know, from, you know, that were, that were just kind of used to, like, standard mergers right. and acquisitions. And they're like, well, what is, what is this? Yeah. And I'm like... Here you go. Welcome. Yeah. Welcome, friends. <laughs> You've never seen anything like this. And if we work together for a while, we're both going to see things we've never seen before. Come grab my hand. Let's dive into AM radio in St. Louis. And so he does a deal with Dan Marshall. The terms were phenomenal um, as far as the, the dollars go. I mean, holy shit. Uh, and... Dan, for whatever reason, was so high on Bubba the Love Sponge. And that's fine because, you know, hey, maybe he would have been right. How I knew it wasn't going to work, I mean, there's there's certainly behavioral tells and, you know, other tells like the way somebody would write an email and if it's not punctuated and spelled right, that's going to usually be an indication that might be a problem as far as running a business. Um, but the big thing was we're, we're going to put you after Bubba and then you're going to have such a strong lead in with Bubba's ratings that your ratings will be higher. And I'm going, you can't get ratings on KFNS. It's not, it's nothing against KFNS. We were on KFNS probably more than any other place we've ever been on, but you can't get ratings there. And if you're going to base your business model and your revenue on ratings, the whole thing, it's, that's the foundation, then therefore the whole house is going to go down. Right. And so 
I don't think, I barely knew Jack Clark. I certainly knew Frank. We just spent time on talking about how I worked with him. But I had known him going back to the 1990s. I interned at KFNS. Um, and he was super helpful to me coming out of college with calling on my behalf at TV stations, which just helped you know them at least yeah. pay attention to my what was a VHS tape at that time. Um, but there was, there for the people who had options, I suppose, there was no way they were going to work there because everybody kind of knew that it wasn't going to work, but you just were going to get as much as you could while you could before it went out of business. And so when Iggy tells the story, and I can speak to this because I was a part of the story, he does tell the story completely accurately. Um, I don't remember what he was making for his time on TMA. He was like the second producer to producer Joe. Um, and then Stedman was the board operator at that time with Doug the Cat and myself. I believe that was the lineup at that time. And then Joe was leaving the show. Producer Joe was leaving the show at that time. I think Joe's last show was the press conference day. I mean, holy shit, if you're yeah. going to go out. Right, well, the perfect way. Oh, my God. So Iggy calls me and says something along the lines of, hey, uh, Marshall offered me this. I make this at KFNS. Um, and I said, Hey man, if you want to take that, it was substantially more than he was making. Be my guest, my only, and you're not going to hurt my, nobody's ever going to, you got to do what you got to do. Right. You know, uh, but I would caution you that it's probably not going to be around long. So think about that as far as the math goes, right. because you might be making that rate but it might not be around in a year, so you might not ever get that dollar figure. With that said, it's not my situation at that time. Uh, we didn't know for sure where we were going to wind up. And one of the spots we could have wound up, we would have been employees, and then therefore I couldn't have dictated who was on the show. And so if they said, we don't want Iggy, you know, we want you and Doug and the cat, I, then then he turns that thing down with the man and woman, that would have been brutal, yeah, especially yeah. when it's a raise. Right. So, I mean, he catches shit. I mean, he just catches shit from the audience. It's, it's part of the show. But for that man and woman thing, but I get it. I totally get it. I totally get it. And, it, and, I, and I know, I think, the exact dollar figure difference, it, it was substantial for, for him at that time. Um, so I totally get it. I think we all knew that it was going to, you know, it was, it was a running joke. When, I was, when we started 920, it, we, I talked with Fox Sports, NBC Sports, CBS Sports, which is what eventually our affiliate became, um, just to build credibility um, and, and put CBS Sports 920, because otherwise most people knew no idea what 920 was. So it was just a way to create a brand. Yeah. And... I would talk with these people, and they're all over the country, and they're going, oh, are you in the market with that man and woman thing that's going on? Because it was getting covered, and people were just like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. But I'm telling you, it, it, you know, it was it was talked about around the country because people thought it was going, like, like the people thought, because I think they thought it was an April Fool's joke, because I think some, there was something that happened on April 1st, but I mean, it, it, well, I mean obviously now, it's, it, was, it wasn't. It was so, it just, it, you know, you have to have revenue, which I know it's like, you don't say, <laughs> but 
so many people have gone, well, I'll get the personalities and then the revenue will take care of itself. And you can't, you can't do that. You have to have, I will take a great sales staff over a great on-air lineup every single day. I also realize anybody listening to this, that, that, you know, they might go, what in the hell is that about? But I'm just telling you that that's, that's the case for this kind of radio, for this kind of radio, yeah. this kind of uh, setup that, that was KFNS in 1380 at that time. With regard to Jack and to, to Frank, um, you're in a spot there with someone who um, ran things, and I would imagine probably most people have been in situations where, you know, it's like this for you, I'm sure, I would think. I mean, I realize this is a much bigger company. But you knew when we were at KFNS, you just kind of had to just shut your mouth, get in and out. And, yeah. you know, if yeah. you were called to speak at a press conference on behalf of KFNS, you probably would have done it. Right. Do because you knew what it was. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's it, you know, that, that kind of, if you want to call it leadership, but that kind of management right. is what I would call it. You just don't want to rock the boat, essentially. Because otherwise you get... You're yeah. just going to get popped, yeah. you know. Yeah, you know. So you can picture are, yeah. political administrations where, if you're not blindly loyal, whether they be domestic or elsewhere, you know the situation. Yeah, a lot of turnover in those administrations, oft times. Mm-hmm. So that is why, in that spot, Frank's just being a good soldier. You didn't have to be a wizard to know he wanted nothing to do with it. Um, and then Jack Clark, who I really didn't know. Um, and I would tell you, even though I know, I guess we're tied together in history, uh, which is really amazing to me because I grew up watching him in his home run in game six against the Dodgers, one of my favorite childhood memories. And I'd tell you, he's a great guy. He's an absolutely great guy. I feel badly for him, really. Um, but uh, he's a really good man. Uh, I haven't seen him in a decade, but, uh, but you know, w- when you're provided the opportunity to leave or to stay there, I didn't expect there'd be a lot of need for negotiating. Right. You know, it, nobody who had a choice wanted to stay there. If yeah. you stayed there, you didn't really have a choice in the business, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, I, I guess that could sound harsh. It's not intended to sound harsh. It just was kind of the way things were at that time. That doesn't mean those people weren't talented. It's just like what Dan was doing was he was paying a bunch of people who had been successful at one point in broadcasting but probably weren't working at like a Hubbard or an Emmis or a uh, CBS which owned KMOX at the time uh, or KTRS and so you know these were the people who he was fans of and so if somebody all of a sudden comes along and is overpaying it was like live golf for St. Louis radio actually and if you knew you knew it was it had no you right. know you knew what the situation was, but you also knew people like, oh, I can get a bunch of money. Holy shit. I guess so that's what it was. And um, and so that's why Frank and Jack and hell, I mean, you know, it wasn't like there wasn't one conversation whatsoever where somebody even negotiated. Now that I think about it, it was just, yeah. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> and it was, the, the negotiating that went on was where we were going to wind up going. Right. That was the process. That was a hell of a process. That was brutal. That was brutal. And I really don't think about it. It, it didn't ever get public, ever. Um, but that that's when my first conversation, that's the first time I met Tommy Mattern was that time. Because Tommy, 
who I, I guess I had known his name, but I would have never been able to recognize him. I remember we got together at what was now, what is now Wheelhouse. Oh, wow. It was Jay Bucks. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. The, that God, was I'm bullet. virtually certain that's what it was. God, I didn't even thought about that. Holy shit, that's the case. I'm pretty sure about that. I don't even have the YouTube channel. There's multiple locations, right? Yeah, there was one, one in Clayton. Clayton. Right. And that's like um, Grill now. Oh, thank you, Don. Uh, yes, it is. 920 was one of the best stations in the market. I appreciate that. That's from Toy Maltese Family. Nice. That was my first, uh, when I first started listening, you guys were on uh, 920. That's when I came in. Uh, yeah. Did a little school project. That's right. I remember I, remember I really that. want to get that project back. It's really fun. Oh, is that right? Yeah. It's, it's wonderful work on well, the part just, of all parties. Well, no, the, well, from like our standpoint, it was dog shit. But, uh, Who was with you? Herb? Uh, no, my buddy Jason. Uh, and he guy. goes by Private Citizen Pete. I don't know if he, no. I just, I'll just go with his name is Jason. Wonderful mm, human. So cryptic. Uh, he no longer was in St. Louis, but I love him. And, uh... We did that project, and I just want to get, I would love to get that back. It would be wonderful. It's like a cool snapshot. I love when I see these old TMA and... Yeah, it's great stuff. Like, uh, Doug's great in it. Uh, I remember you being in. Yeah, yeah. It was really fun. That was great. That was like... How old were you? Well, you were 16. 16. 15 or 16. Because it was 2014, right? Yeah. Yeah, 16. It would have been like May of 2014. Uh, recovering Alcoholic says, I'll gape that Jason. So he uh, wants all it. of your friends. Yeah, I should have used it. I appreciate that on the 920 is one of the best stations in the market. And, that, and, and the fact that, well, I mean, the fact, it's certainly an opinion, but the fact that we turned something, and as I made reference to yesterday, um, that we were paying, you know, high 20s, you know, $1,000 a month for that airtime, and to make that profitable, it's a shame because KFNS, with what we were planning on doing, could have been, and we would have been there, we could have been, we could have stayed at 920 for good if Bert wouldn't have you know, doubled the the rent, mm-hmm. which is what happened in, in less than three years. And had we implemented what we were doing at 920 at 590, you know, I mean, I was the president of the station, but in, in title only. Right. And um, we could have we could have done some really good things because if you're profiting and you're essentially you've got, you know, 25 to 30 percent of your budget is going to be removed from an expense standpoint. Now you're inheriting some new costs. So it's not clear like, oh, well, we were spending 30 and now we just don't have that. You have costs that you're now inheriting with your own. But either way, it, it, it was set up for success and it just, yeah, that's, 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 that, that is a shame. I, that bothers me. I don't know going, I'm talking about something that I know no one knows what I'm talking about. I'm talking about 2016. Like if, like if I could have, should have dug in further and gone, hey, you know, I'm, you know, my job, title in my contract says I have I'm in charge mm-hmm. you know I know I don't own everything but I'm in charge you gotta if you gave me this responsibility let me run the offense and if it, a year in it's not working financially you know this isn't about what your friends like on air right. okay that's not what we're doing here right. we determine success by the PL yeah. you know uh, that but yeah, I remember like when Martin came on board, for example, um, and Martin never worked at 920. I don't think, virtually certain he didn't. And we got together and, you know, Martin absolutely, I mean, super talented, ball buster, cuts to the chase, doesn't fuck around. I mean, and he's really like, you know, 
and also not a guy that gets too high, and also not a guy that's like going to jerk you off because he needs the job. Right. You know that there's that. He's just you know it's it's my kind of conversation. Straight shooter. Absolutely. Um, and he's like, you know, this could be what we've always kind of felt like it could finally be, and we've lived through so much nonsense that this this could be it. You know, now we could finally really be building something. And he was really excited. And then within like a few months, he's like, what the fuck did you get me into? <laughs> I'm like, brother, I've already handed my ownership back and gotten away from my position. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Because what we thought it was going to be versus what it turned out to be. Yeah. Um, and Martin was obviously very outspoken. Well, obviously to us, because there's like a Sunday night email that he sent and just he's just and then there was a meeting. Mm. And I mean, he's just he is as the hockey kids would say, he's a beauty. He is an absolute beauty. Um but yeah, I mean, that station, you know, with uh Strauss and Burwell, so I'm telling you, Strauss Burwell and Charlie Marlowe could have been a show that, you know, Obviously, tragic ends with the health of uh, Brian Burwell and Joe Strauss passing a year after. But with Charlie running point and Burwell and Strauss's dynamic, that that's an afternoon drive show that could have been, I mean, a foundation for a station, much less than you have TMA in the morning. And Frank followed us. Yeah. Shit. You know, I mean, that really was... Uh, I'm very, I am very proud of that. I am very proud of that because it, it, it did, it was brutal to get it off the ground, but it did work, um, when it was all said and done and we could have done the same thing over at KFNS and it just, yeah, you know, that's, quick, that was rough. Quick question. I'm taking questions. Sure. Did Charlie on 920 also do a show with Renny Knott? Wasn't there? A yes. Okay. At the outset, I believe, God, I don't know what the exact lineup was. I, God, I really don't. Uh, I mean, I think Rennie may have joined like a month in. I don't know. Strauss and Burwell were in from the beginning. Rennie was not in from the beginning. Charlie was in from the beginning. Um, and then when we had the Jack Clark thing, I mean, a week in, I mean, truly just like, oh my God. But, uh, then obviously then the whole lineup changed and I think... That's when Charlie started maybe working. I think maybe Burwell and Strauss moved to the afternoons, I think. I don't know. Got it. Well, I asked that. But for a week, Charlie was working with them (laughs) and running point, and they would bust his balls, but they would bust each other's balls. It had had like a credible, more sports TMA feel to it because you had Charlie, who's from the TMA, you know, family. Right. And then Strauss and Burwell that truly had, and it's obviously people would go, well, Wilbon's black and, you know, Kornheiser's white. But they really, that, that's what Joe told me. He go, I said, who would you like to work with? I want you on the station because I know you will be good for the station. And he goes, well, I know he's had a few shots on the market and it didn't go well. But Burwell and I are really close and we have a dynamic and I can call him any name in the world that would get me fired if I were to say it publicly. And I'm like, oh. And he can call me any name in the world that will get him fired. And I go, oh. <laughs> <laughs> keep those names off. Yeah. Right. He goes, but we just have a really close relationship. And, I, and, and I'm like, that's all I needed to hear, which really could have been a total mistake. 
But when he said that, I'm like, that's what I want. Because in my mind, that's what you need on a show. As long as you have credibility. And their credibility was already yeah. in. Yeah. So if you have that dynamic, and then I'm like, okay, this isn't like somebody who's been everywhere. And, you know, this is Brian Burwell and Joe Strauss. This is good. And and then with Charlie with him. But Charlie was doing TV. You know, so he couldn't do Afternoon Drive because he's doing TV. Yeah. You know? Right. And so I asked the Rennie question because... Uh, probably my junior or senior year in high school, Rennie was at Will Do High School shooting B-roll of a high school, of our practice. My best friend, Mark, great ball player, he was interviewing him because he was having an unreal senior year. And, like, we're just practicing, we're, like, running up and down. And I just go over to Rennie. I can't remember what their show name was. Maybe it was, I think it was called Miller Relief. I think that's what it was called. I think it was called Miller Relief. And I said, I just looked at him and I said, I loved Miller Relief and ran back. And you would have thought he saw an alien because he's like, <laughs> This fucking 15-year-old is saying that he liked my AM radio show in the afternoons with Charlie Marlowe. It was and just, Charlie and him middays. Yeah. And I think it was Charlie Strauss and Burwell middays at the start. Got it. Okay. I think. Okay. And then I guess, yeah, then Charlie and Rennie and, yeah, I mean, God, just a... Yeah. Holy Baller shit. Baller lineup, yeah. It was, it was a great lineup. For real. But it also was matched with a good sales staff. Right. Um, and that's what matters, you know? I mean, when it's all said and done. Um, what, so what was the question? Did I answer the questions? I think I answered the questions. It was about, uh, yeah, so that was, the, so to answer the question, why they said they were going to be there, yeah, because they didn't know what the situation, would, I would have done exactly what they did in that spot. I mean, Jack and I hadn't talked. I didn't even know Frank and I had talked. We all just knew we were in a spot where it wasn't going to last. So you just, you know, it's a totally different spot than, I mean, even though that was only, Still not 11 years ago. It happened in March of 2013. You know, for example, not that anybody's expecting this, but let's say Hubbard sold and said, all right, nitwits on HD2, you're out. I discovered, well, that sucks, you know, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't go, oh, my God, we got to now find a radio station. What will we do? We'd live stream, we'd be on YouTube, and we'd podcast. In 2013, that wasn't an option. No. So, you know, so it's just, it's a, it's a totally different mindset, which is truly liberating because the headache of that time, if there was a headache while people rave about the lineup, most of the revenue came through TMA. But because I was on TMA and also operating the station, I think people say, well, you're only saying that because it's your show. And it just, it's just not the case. TMA was generating the lion's share of the revenue. It's you know, but you want you want others. That's what I'm saying about the show with Charlie Burwell and Strauss. Could have been, you could have had a TMA esque revenue stand. People might have liked one show and not liked the other. I don't know. Maybe like both. Maybe they didn't like either. But but either way, advertisers would have gotten return on investment from that show had it been an afternoon drive. Um, but anyway, with with Martin, um, yeah, we were we were thinking that we could really be on the verge of something and this could be it and this could kind of end end it and i remember that's what we were thinking i remember getting together in january of 17 and um god i don't i i don't remember i was asked a question um and i said yeah i don't i, I don't think and this this was about martin specifically and what martin was going to make but i'm my responsibility is to manage a budget and i know what our advertising revenue is and i know what our expenses are and the question was, do you think we should hire him? I said, well, he's, he may be the most talented person in the market, 
But at this price point and where we currently are as far as revenue goes, and then also with the availability in TMA as far as ad inventory and sponsorships go, in Cusimano's show, um, in our afternoon shows, we have we have things to sell. So to add expense onto that, right. I, I think I think our best case scenario would be, you know, this is an NBA free agency where five offers come in. You know, we can, let's let's wait and see how we do in year one, and at the end of you know, like in the fourth quarter of 2017, let's see where we are, and if we're profiting or if we're making progress then yeah, then now we can add to that by bringing on an incredibly talented person in Martin Kilcoin. And uh, Randy Markell was the one I was having the conversation with, but I don't work that way. And I go, okay, well, we have, we have a difference of opinion on how to, how to go about doing this. And then if that's the case, you own it, but if I'm the one that's supposed to be operating it, then what's the point of me having the title of being president if I'm telling you what I think is in the best interest of the business Let's not add expense when we're upside down at the moment because of expense uh, and the station's three months old. It wouldn't be wise to do that, in my opinion. Now, Randy came from the thought process that you you hire talent and then the sales would follow. And I came from the, the thought process that you hire sales and then build up revenue. And then if you do get it going, then take that that money and and bring on talent but until you are sold out in tma and frank cusimano's show there's no need to be adding on to expenses and maybe this is all in the weeds but that's the thought process it's a it's it's, it is by definition without question philosophical differences Mm -hmm. and by the end of it i don't think randy would mind me saying this he goes bud it turns out you were right you know, but it, it, I don't think it was like this is what I had done. How he had built his business was in Chuck's boots. I could never do that. I don't know that industry. Could right. never do it. Couldn't do it. You know, one one percent of what he was able to build. I don't know anything about it. But this is what I knew. I had done it, and I had become well aware that you have to have sales. I mean, again, this is all that may sound so results oriented, but that was, that's what that, that was kind of the defining moment where I'm like, Hey, it's plus Anna Maria just gotten pregnant Mm -hmm. and we had a real big scare. She thought she lost Jameson in the first weekend, I believe of 2017. Uh, it was a brutal weekend and it happened on Saturday morning. So you can't get to the doctor until Monday. And we thought he was gone. I mean, we, we thought he was gone and the stress that we were experiencing at that time, um, I'm just like, I can't, I can't do this. So if I don't care if I'm giving money back or I'm giving up title or ownership, it doesn't matter. I got to, you know, yeah. I, I, after years of thinking we weren't going to be able to have a child, I got to, yeah. I got to just do TMA and that's, that's it. Um, but yeah, that, that, I suppose if there's one on the, on the timeline where I look at it and I go, that was the, that was the chance for like a station to really establish itself and, you know, outside of 101 and compete with 101, like truly compete for dollars, it, it would never do as much as 101 does. And I buy, by that, I mean it's billing mm-hmm. because 101's this monster FM. Right. But it could cut into the market, and that matters. Um, it was that moment. It was, it was that moment. And in that sense, that's a shame, you know. And it's and I I don't I don't go but I don't wound up working out I don't look at it that way and maybe that would be a healthier way it did, 
but that was a tough time and it was a lot of stuff that didn't have to happen and really shouldn't have happened and it caused a lot of headaches for the guys on this show you weren't a part of it for almost all of it um and it just didn't have to happen it just it was really really unfortunate and it could have been super profitable i think i think it could have been really successful and uh and that that part is uh is disappointing the man and woman had no chance the man and woman had never had a chance never ever had a chance and 920 could have just we could have stayed there but again the gentleman who owned it you know it's the proverbial pigs get fat hogs get slaughtered i mean that's 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 what happened there and i'm sure he wishes he had that one back because we would have stayed there for a long time if the if the if the rent didn't increase 200 and some odd percent so another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anyway, Jackson, here I said I'm going to do a half hour, and then what happens? We do an hour. Yeah. Or in 50 minutes. 55, but it's mm-hmm. been a wonderful time. Uh, let's see. Uh, I just need to know where Claves is at all times. He issued a statement to me that once he takes a ride, it's all over for this boy. Uh, I saw that actually take place when the recovering alcoholic witnessed um, him offering him up to Klaibs, his wife, mm-hmm. and uh, Klaibs kind of like lifted up his belt buckle <laughs> like he was going to work. And I go, oh boy. And Klaibs goes, be careful what you ask for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Toy Maltese Falcon. Can you talk about that time? I don't know. I am trying to get my context, but that's what do you see? Are you on the YouTube chat? Uh-huh. Can you talk about that time? I remember all the work you were putting into the podcast and website while on air. You seem to be the busiest guy in the business. Um, yeah, if you're talking about the time at 920, without question, because we were doing the morning after. Then I was truly operating that station, at least Monday through Friday, when our rent, and then doing afternoon drive in the latter portions of 13... Yeah, portions of 2013, occasional portions of 2013, but then 2014, and then I guess like the first month or two of 2015 with Jim Edmonds. And I look back on that and I go, I, I can't believe that that was my life. I cannot believe that was my life. Um, but it was necessary to keep the business or to get the business going and to keep it going. And what it you look back on, you go, holy shit, Jim Edmonds did Afternoon Drive in St. Louis, you know. Not that far removed from playing. Right. And how good the show was, too. Mm-hmm. But that show generated revenue from title sponsorships and then also from the remotes we did. And so it was necessary because you could have put anybody else in there 
it take me out of it. It had nothing to do with me. I just, Jim just needed a point guy. Um, and so I did it, but holy shit, that was, yeah, that was, yeah. That, that, so that, that's what I mean by timing. If we had children, I don't know what we would have done there. Yeah, but we didn't. And my wife worked at the station and handled the billing and the traffic. Um, so that was just our life. And we were able to, to get it off the ground and make it work. And um, it wound up being an incredibly fun time and super rewarding. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I really do look at that. I hadn't thought much about it, honestly. Like 2016, like how that could have been um, like a launching pad. Right. And you can go, well, yeah, I mean, it all worked out. And it did, but I mean, f it took five years yeah. of just kind of like... And it's not without the scars. Right. That's the truth, man. Yeah. That's the truth. Yeah. Um, you know, the cat would absolutely still be on the show without question. I mean, his disdain for John Hadley, which I am not talking out of school about because he talks about it very openly himself, uh, is what really, you know, Jim Hayes had been on the show from 2004 to April of 2017 and had been fired one time, and that was simply a cost-cutting thing on the part of the guys from Atlanta when they brought in Bob Fesco. Um, and to Jason Barrett's credit, he didn't want that to happen. So that wasn't a Barrett thing. Um, they just needed a cost-cut. Because, again, you had a group of people come in, overspend, and not have the revenue, which is why I always say the sales thing. And then over the, point, over the course of April 2017, August 2017, well, specifically, actually, September 11th, 2017, to, oh, God, uh, I guess June 2020, the man had to have been fired five times. Jeez. Had to have been five times. Crazy. So, you know, as you can imagine, that's, I mean, how wouldn't that be stressful for anybody who's going through that? Right. Um, Pete was fired at least once, Plowhawk multiple times. Doug was never fired. Iggy was fired on the same voicemail on September 11th, 2017. Uh, but I was able to get his job back that night. It took a couple of weeks for the cats. So, yeah. And I, so you sit there and go, well, it worked out. But I'm like, when I think about it, I'm like, man, that was a lot. And now we just don't deal with any of that here. None of it. Just none of it. Just none of it. And so you just, like, you know, if you ever want to, like, have peace of mind, and I know you didn't live it, and I'm not saying that, like, you don't know what right, we right, went right. through. Like, I was in Nam, <laughs> you know. <laughs> But it, it's like perspective, yeah. you know, yeah, and, 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 and truth be told also what I lived through is a hell of a lot different than what Plowboy and, and Iggy and Doug lived through yeah. because I was in a different spot yeah. and, um, you know, and, but I also didn't get fired like Iggy did and Plowboy did. Um, so, you know, but, uh. Yeah, as far as the man and woman thing in the press conference, that's why uh, that's why Frank and Jack, I mean, anybody who was sticking around would have stood up there and said whatever. I mean, why there was a press, have you ever seen a press conference and like maybe like when somebody gets the Cardinals rights or the Blues rights? But I think yeah. when the Blues re-upped with 101, I think there was just a press release sent out. Yeah. Like it happened like a few months ago. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. You're starting on an AM radio format and you're holding a press conference? With room for satellite trucks. With true, that was unbelievable. That, I guess, was another tell <laughs> that that was, I don't remember who discovered I think producer Joe discovered it when he went to print out email of the day and now we come full circle. Hell yeah. And he goes, you won't believe what's on the printer. There's instructions for where satellite trucks to park for the press conference. 
I can't, but like, I'm starting to wonder, you know, the office was popular and I'm like, I'm wondering like if there's like, there's like a huge like Hollywood play and this is like a, like this is like an act. Uh, dude, it just, it all gets back to when I pitched a couple months ago, the idea of a radio sitcom, uh, an AM sports talk radio sitcom where like you could take all these things that Iggy talks about for his, for his book or like stuff like that, and you make it all into episodes. It, it's, 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 I mean, I, I, my favorite show is the Larry Sanders show. That right. was about a late-night talk show. Yeah. And all of the – it wasn't about the talk show at all. It was about the personality. Right, and the characters. Yeah. Flaws and right. traits of those who are, you know, the stars slash producers and writers of the show. Right, same for The Office. It's not about the actual Ex- paper Exactly company. right. So if you take this – and that's what the guy I've talked about, my advisor – he goes, dude, he goes, I mean, whatever you make from one of these places is great. He goes, your your real money is in writing, you know, a show based off of all of this. Because I would call him, you know, he's a, you know, he's in a different world as far as this kind of stuff, even though he's in broadcasting. And he goes, dude, I've never heard anything like this before. <laughs> you know, but he lived it. He lived it, you know, for a decade plus. Uh, let's see. Aggie's DNA asked, how did you succeed in getting the cat hired back on? Great question. Um, so cat gets fired on September 11th, 2017. My first day back from paternity was so nice. Uh, Iggy gets fired September 11th, 2017. It was a voicemail on my phone. I don't think I still have that one, but I've got a lot of them. I can't imagine I do. Boy, it'd be great if I did though. Hmm. I do have some from 2018. But not that one. Um, and I'm able to get Iggy back. Cat was um, a process. And eventually, I don't recall exactly what he was making. I think I do. And Inside STL essentially, didn't essentially, wound up having to pay 60% of his salary from what it was. And I, and I asked the fan page, I went on the fan page uh, and asked, you know, if you really want the cat back, what I had a plan, um, I was going, to, I, and I asked people to email me, probably have them all saved, actually, because I save everything. Uh, and I would present them to Randy, and I can recall, I think it was at Three Kings, I think it was, he was sitting there, and I walked in, and, you know, it had been about two weeks, and I had a stack of emails, like, for real, this thick. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, this is what the audience wants. And I had already made the case, like, I'll, you know. So what I did was we created the Cat Chat podcast so I could justify taking money out of Inside STL, of which I own, you know, the vast majority, but still, it's, you know, it's got shareholders. And... uh and we'll get his podcast going like we got my podcast going because I was starting my podcast on October 1st, 2017. So now we'll have the cat chat as well. Right. So that's how that started because right. so, Inside STL had to justify the expense with something and it wound up just being, here's, you know. So the cat would get paid 45% of his or 40% of his salary from whatever that company was called, KFNS, and then 60% of it, even though, you know, he was doing the cat chat maybe once a week or something. But getting it from inside STL did did what we had to do, yeah. you know. Um, but I mean, that was the first time, and then then it then it happened again in 2018, 
and again later on in December of 2018, and uh, certainly kept happening. And then the final shot was the quote-unquote furlough um, for the Plowhawk, which was the end, and that came the day after I terminated the letter of intent to buy the station. So that was just a, we can't get you, but we'll get your people. Right, but furlough. Yeah, it was a furlough. And the cat did come back for a period of time after that, but then he was permanently gone, I think, in September of 20. So, I mean, it's almost been four years, not four years, but two and three and a half years since he's been on the show. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, but, I mean, it's... I don't go, well, it made us talk. It, it, it was really not fun, and it didn't have to be that way. And so it's great that this has happened, and now we're, like, legitimate... And that like people who are really in the business now know, right. as one of the GSM says, pound for pound, the most popular show in St. Louis, um, or the most success, whatever, delivers the most for advertisers in mm-hmm. St. Louis, pound for pound. But uh, it, th- we, this could have been going on a long time ago. Yeah. Where this, it's the same group of motherfuckers. Right, same with show. With the same business <laughs> mindset, with yeah. the same show, you know. So I don't go, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I, you know. Right, no. Because it was not fun. It, it was really stressful. And uh, it didn't. And the thing is, it didn't have to be that way, you know. So anyway, uh, not to be depressing, but that's the truth. Uh, did Gangster Pete have a breaking point to leave radio or was it a slow burn? Um, certainly, I mean, he was, I think Gangster Pete, so you started in December, November 20. December, early December. The breaking point for Pete was, and I bet I do have these texts, we thought that I bought KFNS in June, May of 20, and we were going to close like on July 1st, July 2nd, 3rd, something like 2020, and then a week before the deal, the the terms were changed, uh, not by our side, and they were were non-starter changes to the terms and that was just like that's it and then you know then the furloughs happened and then at that point pete saw you know right. there's right. no the there's no way that this is going to turn so i gotta i gotta get out yeah. and i totally understand yeah. i don't fault him at all I, if anything it's uh, and there's a guy who you know loved this show when he started had passion for it kind of like you really which would seem amusing to people and, you know, had ideas and would work on things behind the scenes with ideas. And then we were talking about just doing essentially what we kind of wound up doing here, live streaming. I mean, I know we're on the radio, but, you know, it's really more of a live stream YouTube thing. So it just was, even though that was only a handful of years ago, it still was kind of unproven. Mm-hmm. And now, now that we've done it, now it's like, okay, if we wanted to do that, that's that's viable. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that was always kind of the theory. That's why it was important to own the little intellectual property. So then that way we could pick up and go, no matter what kind of situation we would run into. Um, but yeah, Gangster Pete's situation was, uh, I, th- I think, the, you know, the, the, the furloughs. But I mean, it wasn't just the furloughs. It was the, it was the holy shit, right. you know. It's, he's, Tim's not going to be able to get this because he can't, he can't do this deal and... I got to go because this is going to be, you know, what it is. So, yeah, uh, I guess it was a slow burn. And then it was just like, okay, that's it. There, I mean, there was a breaking point. So really, truly that day, the show lost Darren Atkins, Jim Hayes, P 
Pete Eichels. Um, yeah, that's 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 really and that's what's really what happened. Uh, all right, let's wrap it up. I mean, I wound up going to twelve thirty-seven. I gotta go. I gotta go, Jackson. Uh, for Jackson Burkett, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been the Tim McKernan Show.